0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back for our season finale, episode 11, titled The Luck Ran Out. Or did it? The 2018 season would bring some big changes to the team. Coach Pagano would be dismissed from his position. Along with him, the other assistant coaches were either let go or chose to take positions with other teams, aside from Robert Mathis, who stayed on as a pass rush consultant and assistant strength and conditioning coach Richard Howell. The head coaching search the Colts went through was a very odd one. Chris Ballard had a list of names he wanted to interview for the opening. Ballard is very methodical in making his choices and this will come up during his tenure. The good thing about that is Chris will not make a snap judgment when it comes to anything. Indianapolis would see that as Ballard did not go out and spend a boatload of money on players like Le'Veon Bell who many people had coming to Indy in free agency. The bad side of that is fans want answers and they want them now. We don't want to wait. Waiting is annoying, and in this day and age, everyone thinks that they know what's going to happen and they're tweeting about who they like and they don't like. Personally, I had no clue who Indianapolis was going to hire as coach, but the wait was fun. They had close to five candidates that they had interviewed, although the organization will not comment on things like that. They prefer to keep things in-house. Now when it comes to hiring a coach, whether a head coach or an assistant, there are rules that teams have to follow. We all know of the Rooney rule as it was enacted in 2003. This rule states that franchises cannot interview one coach and hire that person on the spot. It mandates that teams need to interview at least one minority candidate. Some people don't agree with this rule as they see it as a box that teams will check but have no interest in hiring that specific candidate. The other rules that come into play involve the playoffs. Any coordinators whose teams are not in the playoffs may interview with another team but the interviewing team must request permission if the coach is under contract with that team. Teams can block a candidate from interviewing if the position is a lateral move, but cannot stop a coach from interviewing for a position that is a promotion. For example, Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator for the Colts in 2020. The team could deny any interview if he was interviewing for the same position on the Philadelphia Eagles. Since he was interviewing for the head coaching position, the Colts could not deny the interview request. The next rule is that teams are allowed to interview coaches whose teams have a first round bye in the playoffs. The interview must take place during wildcard week. Once those games are played, interviews cannot be conducted. If a candidate's team wins or loses in the wildcard round, the candidate can then interview, although if the team wins, the interviewing team needs to get approval first and do the interview before the divisional round. We're almost there, guys and gals. Stick with me for a little bit longer. After the divisional round games, no teams are allowed to interview coaches from the four teams heading to the conference championship games. Once the divisional games are over, any coaches on the losing teams can interview whenever they like at their team's discretion. Assistants on teams that are heading to the Super Bowl have an exception. Since there's a two-week window between conference championship games and the Super Bowl, assistants are allowed to interview in that first week. Once the team heads towards the Super Bowl site, interviews must cease until after the game. This is what happened to Indianapolis. The Colts had interviews with different candidates, but one started to stand out. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, became the favorite for the position in Indy. He even got the blessing from Tony Dungy. McDaniels would start his NFL career in New England as a personnel assistant before moving up in the franchise. After his initial year in New England, he became the defensive assistant for two years before switching to the opposite side of the line and becoming the quarterback's coach. He would assume the offensive coordinator role in 2005, and he would stay there until he left to become the head coach for Denver for the 2009 and 2010 season. He was known then for his less than stellar outing as head coach of the Broncos. In his two years in the Mile High City, McDaniels would go 11-17. After he was dismissed from Denver, he would be the St. Louis Rams offensive coordinator for one season before returning to New England as their offensive coordinator. Chris Ballard and the Colts would do their initial interviews before starting to lean towards McDaniels. During the two-week downtime before the Super Bowl, Indianapolis would request a second interview from McDaniels. The consensus from everyone was that McDaniels was headed to the Circle City once New England's season was over. Even though a contract was not signed, McDaniels had started to fill out his coaching staff. One of the assistants he hired was the Dallas Cowboys linebacker coach, Matt Eberflus. With New England beating Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game, the Colts were unable to announce McDaniels as the head coach. They would have to wait until after the Super Bowl. Sunday, February 4th, Super Bowl Sunday, Christmas in February. People get together and have fun cooking out, enjoying drinks, or tailgating with their friends. Many fans in Indianapolis went to sleep looking forward to rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the New England Patriots. Final plans were made for Sunday. When the city began to wake, it was hit with dreadful news. Earlier that morning, linebacker Edwin Poundcake Jackson had died. Jackson had gotten the nickname Poundcake due to him missing a flight to Arizona to meet with the Cardinals. He got on the next flight, and his mother made a homemade pound cake for him to take as an apology. The nickname would stick with him for the rest of his career. Jackson had gotten an Uber to take him home just before 4 a.m. On the way, Jackson asked the driver, Jeffrey Monroe, if he could pull over as Jackson began to feel sick. Both men exited the car and stood off to the side as Jackson tried to feel better. While on the shoulder, both men were killed as a driver veered into the emergency lane. The driver would later be sentenced to 16 years in prison and another three and a half years for re-entering the country illegally. Jackson's family would start a foundation in his name known as the Edwin Jackson 53 Foundation. The foundation offers scholarships to extraordinary college students who demonstrate a commitment to youth-focused community services. If you'd like to learn more or donate to the foundation, please visit edwinjackson53.com. While the NFL mourned Jackson's death, there was still a game to be played. The game was one for the ages. In the end, the Philadelphia Eagles would win by a score of 41-33. After the game, when asked about the head coaching position, McDaniels refused to comment on it. Pro Football Talk would tweet out a story during the game stating that there was increased chatter that McDaniels was having second thoughts about taking the job in Indy. Some people chalked it up to PFT talking about something that wasn't true. Sometime between the loss on Sunday through the following Tuesday night, Patriots owner Robert Kraft started talking to McDaniels trying to keep him in New England. The Colts would put out a notice at 11am the Tuesday after the Super Bowl announcing they had reached a deal for McDaniels to become head coach. At 4.15 that day, Indianapolis would schedule a press conference for the following day at 4 p.m. to formally introduce him as the coach. A little over four hours later, the Colts would send out a tweet that said McDaniels informed them he would not be joining the team. This threw a wrench into everything. Many different opinions came out about why he would change his mind. Was this all a ploy by the Patriots to get back at the Colts for a deflate gate? Was Andrew Luck's arm not back to playing condition? Some sources would say that it came down to McDaniels not being able to pick his players, similar to how Bill Belichick does it in New England. We'll never get a 100% true answer. The next morning at 11am, Chris Ballard would have a press conference to talk about what happened. Ballard would say that McDaniels was a good football coach and that he wished him the best in the future. He would explain the events from the night before. He said that McDaniels called him and told him he had bad news for him. Ballard would say that he did not try to change McDaniels' mind. He wanted someone who's 100% committed to the team. When the press conference ended, Ballard left with a soundbite that got fans excited. The rivalry is back on. Now that Josh McDaniels was no longer a choice, Ballard had to go back to his list of candidates. He would use this time to interview other people he had not gotten the chance to. This would turn out to be a great idea. One of the people he interviewed in the second round was Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Reich. Reich had been a professional player for 14 years in the league. He was known as the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills that led the team to the largest comeback in NFL postseason history. Reich would also get his first shot at coaching with the Indianapolis Colts as the quarterback coach under Jim Caldwell. Frank Reich is known as a quarterback whisperer. He was the offensive coordinator for the San Diego Chargers in 2014 and 2015 before joining the Philadelphia Eagles. Indianapolis would introduce Frank Reich as the head coach five days after the McDaniels fiasco. Reich would keep the coordinators that McDaniel chose, letting them decide if they wanted to stay under contract or leave, no hard feelings. Now that the head coaching part had been done, it was time to move on to the offseason activities. First up was free agency. The Colts would add some key contributors to the team. Danico Autry and Eric Ebron would highlight the free agency class, while players like Dante Moncrief and Frank Gore would leave. The draft class in 2018 would start to get the attention of the NFL when it came to Chris Ballard and what he was building. About a month before the draft, Indianapolis would trade their first-round pick, the number 3 overall, to the New York Jets for the 6th, 37th, 49th, and a second-round pick in the 2019 draft. Indianapolis would make the most of those selections. At six, the Colts would take guard Quentin Nelson, a linebacker Darius Leonard at 36, guard Braden Smith at 37, and defensive ends Kamoko Toure and Taekwon Lewis at 52 and 64, respectively. Indianapolis would round out the draft with Naeem Hines, Doris Fountain, Jordan Wilkins, Dion Kane, Matthew Adams, and Zaire Franklin. All of these players would play during the season. Now not many teams have all of their draft picks step in and make contributions right away. Andrew Luck was set to return as the starting quarterback. The season would not start the way Indianapolis had envisioned it though. They would lose 5 of their first 6 games. One good thing came out of the losing streak though. In week 4 Indianapolis was set to face the Houston Texans. The game would not start off well as the Colts were down 28-10 at one point but would fight back to tie the game and send it into overtime. The teams would trade field goals before the Colts faced a 4th and 4 with less than a minute left in overtime. Instead of punting the ball and trying to end the game in a tie, Indianapolis would try to convert the first down. They were unsuccessful, which had many reporters and pundits questioning the coaching style. Reich would shut down the talk rather quickly. He said, quote, I'll address it now. We're not playing to tie. We're going to go for it 10 times out of 10. End quote. The Colts would lose two more games after that, before winning nine of their last ten. Week 17 would be the last game of the NFL season, Sunday Night Football. It was a win or go home game. Both the Colts and the Tennessee Titans would enter the game at 9-6, vying for the final wildcard spot in the playoffs. Indianapolis would end up winning the game 33-17, securing the sixth seed and setting up a date with the Houston Texans. In the wild card round, Indianapolis would end up winning by a score of 21-7, moving on to face the number one overall Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, the season would end at Arrowhead Stadium as the Chiefs would win 31-13. While it was rough seeing the season end as it did, there was hope for the team. They overcame odds and turned in a great season. Darius Leonard, who some labeled the worst draft pick of the 2018 class, won Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Andrew Luck would win Comeback Player of the Year. The 2019 offseason would start well before changing in a flash. The Colts would add players like Devin Funchess and Justin Houston during free agency before adding some other new players in the draft. Indianapolis would draft Rock Ben Eben Banagu and Paris Campbell in the second round, Bobby Okereke in the third, Kari Wells in the fourth, and would finish out the draft with Marvell Tell, EJ Speed, Jerry Green, Jackson Barton, and Javon Patterson. Some of those players would be difference makers while a couple would not make the team. Now, No team can be perfect every draft. During the offseason, Andrew Luck would get injured and it would be slow healing. The team would describe the injury as a calf strain and a high ankle issue. Luck had not played in the first two preseason games when the third game became a tough one to watch. As for preseason games, there are not a lot of viewers. It's usually backups and fringe guys who are playing, so the action isn't as exciting. During the third quarter of the game, ESPN's Adam Schefter would tweet out something that broke hearts all over Indianapolis as well as the NFL. His tweet would say, "Filed to ESPN. Andrew Luck has informed the Colts he is retiring from the NFL per source. There will be a press conference Sunday to make it official, but Luck is mentally worn down and now checking out. This message was the Saturday night before the planned announcement. Fans in the stands would start to find out, whether from social media or a friend or family member telling them. There was a buzz in the stadium and many people started to get confused. Was this a fake Adam Schefter account? Was Schefter talking about a different Andrew Luck? After checking that the tweet was sent by the real Schefter, blue Check Mark and all, fans were heartbroken. Luck was supposed to be the savior, the guy to lead us back to the glory land. Arguably, his best season was the 2018 season, his first under Frank Reich. Now, you couldn't tell that Luck was retiring during the game. He had the same demeanor the whole time. He spent time talking with Anthony Costanzo and Jack Doyle, smiling and carrying on like nothing was changed. After the game, Luck would make his way towards midfield to talk to opposing players and catch up, as everyone does during the season. Part of the way there, a cold staff member would stop Andrew and motion him to head towards the locker room. Luck was walking, but after a few yards he started to speed walk. Suddenly every camera and news media member was hounding him, asking if the rumors were true. As Luck began to reach the tunnel, booze could be heard from the fans. The sound wasn't particularly loud, but it was loud enough to hurt Luck. Since the news dropped, the press conference would have to move to right after the game. Andrew Luck would step up to the podium, a smile on his face. He was joking around and seemed to be at peace with his decision. After reading through the list in his mind, he began to explain why he made this choice. The game of football had become a torture chamber to him. It seemed like every year he was rehabbing some sort of injury. The torn rib cartilage, lacerated kidney, abdominal issue, torn labrum in his right shoulder and his current calf and ankle injury. Now he can beat anyone down. You never have time to relax and enjoy life. Luck was in the never ending cycle of injury, pain, rehab. To him, it was an unrelenting and never-ending hell. Luck would explain that he felt stuck and the only way out was to make a big change. After his injury in 2016, Luck would tell himself if he had any more bigger injuries, he would choose himself, so to speak. He would say that hearing the booing fans hurt. He knows that people will see him as letting his team down, but he has a team at home too. Once the press conference finished, fans everywhere started to pick sides. Some were happy for Andrew as mental health is a big part of taking care of yourself. Others said he quit and that they couldn't stand him. To this day, people still argue that Luck quit on the team. Whether you see it that way or not, it doesn't matter. In a recent interview with TY Hilton, Hilton would explain that Luck was the happiest he had ever seen him. He was enjoying the retired life and raising his daughter. In my opinion, it did hurt to see Andrew Luck walk away. I wanted him to stay, but I get not being able to do it anymore why push yourself too far some people don't recognize when it's become too much until it's too late whether it's a professional athlete or a nine to five worker anyone can get in over their head don't be afraid to talk about what's bothering you some people fall into addictions or other poor life choices to help cope with life i can say as a fan i wish he would have stayed but also as a fan i can respect that he knew when to call it a career i don't know if you will ever hear this podcast. But, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for being our quarterback, and I wish you the best with your life. After the devastating news, the team would need to get back to work. Jacoby Brissett would become the leader of the offense. The Colts would sign him to a two-year extension as well. Indianapolis would also add another former New England Patriot, as they signed Brian Hoyer to back up Brissett. The Colts would start off strong, winning five of their first seven games, including a 19-3 dogfight against eventual Super Bowl winners, the Kansas City Chiefs. After the Week 8 win against Denver, the Colts would head to Pittsburgh, where things would start to fall apart. Jacoby Brissett would get hurt in this game, leaving Brian Hoyer to take over. The Colts would narrowly lose this game, 26-24. Jacoby would miss the next game as well, before returning in Week 11. Lingering effects from the injury to Brissett, as well as injuries to T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, and Eric Ebron, would cause the team to drop some games. After starting off 5-2, Indianapolis would finish the season 7-9 and and out of the playoffs. Fans were in disagreement, either saying that Jacoby Brissett wasn't a good starting quarterback, or that the knee injury and key players missing time was the cause behind the late season downfall. Either way, the Colts needed help and were on the search during the offseason. The 2020 season would bring a familiar foe to help out. Philip Rivers would not be re-signed by the Los Angeles Chargers and would come to Indianapolis in free agency. Along with Rivers, Indianapolis would add Xavier Rhodes, TJ Carey, and Trey Burton and would trade the 15th overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers for DeForest Buckner. Eric Ebron, Pierre Desir, and David Funchess would all leave and head to other teams as well. After an injury-plagued season, the Colts had decided not to re-sign Adam Vinatieri. Now, as we all know, COVID-19 was a huge issue in the world and sports was not untouched by it. Teams were not allowed to have face-to-face meetings during the offseason, and the NFL draft was changed from Las Vegas to strictly virtual. Staff for teams would have to have Zoom meetings to conduct business. With the draft being in Las Vegas, the Vegas had to show what they could do. The red carpet stage would be the water at the Bellagio Fountains, and the players would be brought there by boat. The main draft stage would be constructed next to the Caesars Forum. This was all done to coincide with the Raiders move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Since the in-person draft was cancelled, the NFL announced that the 2022 NFL draft will take place in Las Vegas the Colts would begin their draft by selecting wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC with a 34th overall selection. Indianapolis would move up three spots from 44th to 41st to select running back Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. The Colts would also add safety Julian Blackman, quarterback Jacob Eason, guard Danny Pinter, defensive tackle Rob Windsor, cornerback Isaiah Rogers, wide receiver Desmond Patman, and linebacker Jordan Glasgow to finish out the draft. Indianapolis would also add kicker Rodrigo Blankenship, extending the NFL's longest streak of having an undrafted player make the team at 22 years. The NFL would decide to cancel the preseason games in order to get ready for the season with COVID rules in place. This would be an odd season, but a good one for the team. Indianapolis would never lose more than one game in a row and would have multiple win streaks. They would unfortunately lose Marlon Mack Emily Cooker in weeks one and two to torn Achilles tendons and Michael Pittman would miss three weeks due to Compartment Syndrome, a very serious and possibly life-threatening injury. The Colts would finish the season 11-5 tied with Tennessee for the lead in the AFC South. Tennessee would win on a tiebreaker leaving Indianapolis as the number 7 seed in the playoffs. This was the first year in which there were seven teams in the playoffs. Only the first-seeded team would have a bye week. Indianapolis would head to Buffalo to face the second-seeded Bills. The game was close, but the Colts' season would end after they failed to convert from the Bills' 47-yard line with two minutes left. Even though the season didn't go as planned, fans are excited as the team is building towards something special. After the 2020 season, Indianapolis would have some choices to make. Philip Rivers would decide to retire and Jacoby Brissett would be a free agent, leaving only Jacob Eason, who did not play during the season, as the only quarterback under contract. As of recording this podcast, the Colts have re-signed T.Y. Hilton, Xavier Rhodes, Marlon Mack, T.J. Carey, and Alkwadeen Muhammad. Danico Autry would head to Tennessee, Anthony Walker to the Cleveland Browns, and Jacoby Brissett would take his talents to South Beach and join the Miami Dolphins. Indianapolis would also make a big splash before the season began as they would reach a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles to trade their third round pick in this draft and a conditional second rounder in exchange for quarterback Carson Wentz. Wentz spent the first two years of his career with Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator including the 2017 season in which Wentz was the front runner for MVP until his knee injury. In my eyes this was a great trade for everyone involved. I don't believe Carson Wentz is washed. If you look back, everyone said the Colts are not being smart by signing the 38-year-old Philip Rivers, but that turned out to be a pretty good idea. While the Colts didn't win the Super Bowl this year, it showed that Reich has a way to get everything out of his quarterbacks. Luck's best year was under Reich, Rivers was playing at a very high level, and there's no reason to think that Wentz can't get back there. Give it time. It might look rough in the beginning, but Rivers didn't start out playing well until a few weeks in. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for our first season. We'll be back in a little bit with our second season, one that's more focused on the players and staff who helped build this franchise. If there's anyone you'd like to hear more information about, follow us on Twitter at Horseshoe History and let us know. We look forward to seeing you soon.